Good morning on this Thursday in the 19th week as we continue in our readings from Ezekiel and from Matthew. Yesterday as we gathered, we heard the teaching about how to bring a observation or we could use the words carefully, a correction to a brother or sister and how to do that in great humility, how to do that with gentleness, how to do that first with an examination of self. In this last teaching, there are, as we said, five teachings in this 18th chapter of Matthew's Gospel, he, he gives us specific teachings about how to approach. And he talks about, first of all, the temptations to sin and how to manage those, the parable of the lost sheep, how to approach a brother who sins. And then t- today we have the, the, the treatment for a servant who owes us great or someone who's transgressed in the sense of borrowing a large sum of money. And there's some depth here we can look into to help us draw some conclusions on this teaching. Remember, this this teaching follows immediately a teaching on bringing correction to another. Yesterday, you heard me speak about how to do that in great humility and great consideration of our own imperfections, never in a condescending way, always on bended knee, always at a recognition of our own imperfection first. But this teaching today, in that teaching, our Lord gives us a parable of this great king or master of a house who has many servants, some of whom owe him a lot of money. There's some numerical references here that are important to understand why that would have been a key figure for this dialogue between initially Peter and Jesus and then the other disciples as well. So as we heard said, uh, Peter comes to him and said, Lord, if my brother sins against me, how often must I forgive him? And he asked this question, as many as seven times. That wasn't a random number he chose, as many as seven times. We have to go back to Genesis to understand why Peter would have asked that, as many as seven times. It's because if we go back into Genesis in the fourth chapter, we remember the story of Cain and Abel. Cain, as we know, murders Abel, and then our God puts a mark on Cain's forehead. Cain is now marked as one who will wander the earth, who's committed this great transgression for murdering his brother. But Cain now, having been marked, is worried. The Lord says to, or God, God our Father says to Cain, now you are banned from the ground that open its mouth to receive your brother's blood from your hand. If you till the ground, it shall no longer give you its produce. You shall become a constant wonder on the earth. And then Cain worried, says, now having been marked, he said, if anyone, he said, uh, uh, it, they will see me because they see my mark. Anyone may kill me on sight. No, the Lord said to him, if anyone kills Cain, Cain shall be avenged seven times. That's where the seven comes from, because Peter, a very faithful Jew, would have known his ancestry and he would have known the Hebrew scriptures, and so he would have known about the number seven. The number seven in in Jewish numerology is the number of perfection. It's the day that God rested in creation. It's the number of perfection. So seven had importance. It wasn't a random number. Should I forgive him seven times? And Jesus says what? He says, no, not seven. Seven times 77. Triple perfection. That's how many times you should forgive your brother. Basically an unbounded forgiveness. And then he goes further with this explanation. And oftentimes, as our Lord does in his parables, he uses hyperbole. So we're told in various translations uh, that this first servant who owes a great deal were owed, were, 
told that he owes 10,000 talents. Well, one talent was 20 years of wages for the average laborer. So this first servant under study owes 20,000 years of pay in order to satisfy this king's debt. It's an hyper hyperbolic number. It's, it's a, such a big number we can't put our heads around it. And the king forgives that man his debt completely. So it's, an, it's this unlimited debt this man owes, this insurmountable amount of uh, payment that he must make, and yet the king forgives the entire amount. And then we're told as the parable continued that that man, having been forgiven this impossible amount he could never repay, and having been relieved of having himself, his children, and all of his property taken and property given away and wife and, fa and family thrown into prison, that man is forgiven all of it and allowed to walk free. Who comes upon someone who owes him basically three months wages. That's what the denarius was. Three months wages for the average laborer. And that man he has beaten. In fact, we're told he choked him, <laughs> held him down and choked him and had him thrown into prison over this three months wages when he's just had 20,000 years relieved from him. And our Lord concludes, as he often does, with teaching that we just read by sometimes, even our private scriptural study and perhaps at mass or just listening to the liturgy of the word, that we don't pause and hear what our Lord says. Then in anger, this regards to the, the first servant, who was forgiven this insurmountable amount, who goes out then and physically attacks this man who owes an insignificant amount compared to what the first man owed, chokes him, has him thrown in prison and beaten. Regarding that man, this is how our parable concludes. Then in anger, the master, who's the master of all of these servants, has this first servant handed over to the torturers until he should pay back the whole debt. Let's think about that sentence from our Savior. That man, this man in the parable, the first one who was forgiven this, this, this debt that's beyond comprehension, who's not forgiving in his own, his own needs to be uh, fulfilled, have his debts fulfilled by this other man, that man is thrown over, handed over to the torturers until he should repay the whole debt. Let's do the math. 20,000 years of torture. That's what he's looking at. Our Lord concludes, so will my heavenly Father do to you unless you forgive your brother from your heart. Well, that should give us a pause. So will my heavenly Father do to you. Meaning, if we carry this anger in our hearts, if we carry this resentment, let's call it that, in our hearts where we are unforgiving of someone who's transgressed against us, so will our Father do to us. So will our Father do to us. If we carry a resentment where we are just not ever going to forgive that person for whatever it is that they've done, justice needs to be held, right? In our, in our civil society, we're held accountable for our actions, and if we've done wrong to another, we need to be held accountable for our actions. That is true. That's how societies function in an ordered way. You need law and order. You need to be held accountable, all of us do, in our transgressions. But if we are unforgiving, 
in our hearts for what someone has done, if we carry these heavy rocks of resentment against another, if we walk around in a constant state of judgment, so will it be done to us. So will it be done to us. As we are unforgiving, so shall we not be forgiven. So shall we not be forgiven. And our Lord doesn't mince words in, in his parable. That man, the first one handed over the torturers until the whole debt is repaid, so will my heavenly Father do to you. So as we read through scripture and we study it, as we nosh on the word, as we heard earlier from Ezekiel, consuming the scroll, we heard that yesterday. Let's think about these words our Lord gives us. He, he doesn't do it uh, in a way to be dismissed. He doesn't do so in a cavalier way that we just pass through. Let's think about what he says, because it is our Lord and Savior, second person of the Trinity, the Son of God, telling us how things will be. And it reminds us so beautifully in the study of chapter 18, the importance of, yes, bringing correction to a brother or sister in need, and we do so from bended knee. You heard that yesterday, Netateo, on bended knee, to bring an observation, not condescendingly, but lovingly. And then likewise, in that same transgressions, those wrongs we perceive done against us, there is the accountability of an organized society. That's good. Law and order matters. We must have that and sustain it. But in our heart, we have to be able to find forgiveness because it's that very forgiveness that we ourselves would so desperately hope for. Amen.